Hello and welcome to the Mindful Men Podcast, a show inspiring men to be mindful about their lives. Each week, we'll dive into a range of topics that matter to men and hear from everyday people doing extraordinary things. So if you love the show, please give it a five-star rating and share it with your mates. Now, before we get into this week's episode, please note that some of the content may trigger you. And if this happens, please reach out to your support networks. It's really important. If you can't get enough of Mindful Men, head over to our website. It's www.mindful-men.com.au. Find the show notes and the links to our socials there. But for now, sit back, relax, and let's get mindful. G'day guys, and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Men podcast. I'm your host, Simon Rinney, and today we're getting mindful about mental health. And a trigger warning, we will be talking about mental health in this episode. So if you do get triggered by these types of discussions, feel free to skip this episode. That's perfectly fine. But if you do stick around and you do get triggered, please reach out to your support networks afterwards. It's really important that you talk about these things. And joining me for this discussion, I've got Chris Riez from Canada. How are you going, Chris? Fantastic. It's nine o'clock here, but I imagine it's a beautiful day in Australia. No, it is pretty shitty, actually. Fair enough. <laughs> it was an assumption. I was wrong. But... <laughs> well, I'm on the Sunshine Coast and you would expect the sun, but no, it's raining. So it's a good time to talk, though, about 100%. mental health. Now, you're a startup founder and a mental health advocate. So I'm really keen to explore both of these and how you mesh the two together. And we'll get towards that towards the end. But I'd like to hear a bit about your story, where you grew up and some of the things that you've experienced over your journey. I think for myself... It starts with being a kid. So I didn't have a birth father. My dad left. And I was the odd one out. Everybody had their families and I didn't have a dad. So that was, that sucked. Then having a grandfather that was an alcoholic. So coming from a Hungarian family or Eastern European family, alcoholism and let's say domestic abuse was a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't really talked about. You just do what you're told. That's it. Woman does this, man does that. Do I say that that's correct now? No, but that's what it was then that I dealt with anyway. And so dealt with that a bit. And then later on the years, when I had a stepfather, I was sexually abused. At the time, I didn't know any different until now. So I went through that. My mom was bipolar with suicidal tendencies. So that was a normalcy that we had mom overdosing on pills, hating guys for you know all the various reasons. And so it was a little bit chaotic, but that was my norm. So I didn't know anything different. I decided to leave and go to Vancouver Island, study a little bit of yoga. So I did that for about a year and a half. Um, and then from there, I decided to go to New Zealand, have fun there. And then eventually from New Zealand, I was like, you know what? I'll go to sunny coast, sunshine coast, good old sunny coast. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Sure. And then the first thing that hit was, you know, I paid for a place for, I don't know, six months. And I found out it was a scam when I got there and it was on my birthday. So that's like, welcome. You just lost almost nine grand. Welcome home. In that time period of adversity and going through a lot of crap and trying to figure out what my next step was, it really, I don't know, something about the warm weather, something about the chill vibe surfing was my outlet. And then 10 years down the track, I did a lot of self-growth dealing with my trauma. So whether that be psychology, Reiki, CBT, hypnotherapy, 
and the list goes on. So I did that consecutively for over five years. And I was like, I must be the only person with this issue. Well, I started asking people and like one guy was like, oh, I have issues. One guy was saying, hey, I'm just broke. And my wife left me, took my kids, divorced. And I was like, like, damn, this is going on everywhere. And I need to do something. So I talked to my hypnotherapist, figured out what my why is. And my why, quite simply, is I want to help a billion people that are suffering from mental health challenges like depression or anxiety. And that's it. Simple. A billion people is a lot, but I figure even if I hit 30% of that goal or 50% of that goal before I die, that's unreal. Like that would be an amazing achievement. And then now I'm working towards actually fulfilling one of my goals of creating a mental health platform to help people connect people in the right way. So yeah, yeah. it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, that's a full-on journey. And thank you for showing the strengths to share it like a lot of guys struggle to talk about things like this and you mentioned a few things that were happening in childhood that were your normal i love to hear like what did it mean to you to be a man in those formative years or to be a boy well when i was a kid i didn't have a male to look up to other than my uncle so outside of that i was just trying to be liked by everybody I got into sport. I wasn't good at sports, but a lot of peer pressure. So I got mm -hmm. bullied massively to the point of I just left school. I couldn't handle it. I went into another school. So I went to six different schools. So I think as a man, you tend to think that you should tolerate it. But in that situation as a child, you try to fit in as best as you can because you don't want to be the outcast. Mm -hmm. And I think... For me, coming from like my grandma, my mom, and my sister, in that time and then in that area, I think before grade six, so I'm 37, turning mm -hmm. 38 this year, is a lot of people had families, like mom and dad. And I remember I was one of the very few kids in my classrooms that didn't really have that type of dynamic. So being left out, you try to fit in as mm -hmm. best as you can, I guess. And did you ever have an outlet? to talk about what was going on inside? Did you know like, no. what was happening? Hell no, <laughs> no, no, actually, sorry. Outlet when I got older, when Eminem became popular, that was my outlet. So poetry and writing lyrics, which I haven't done in a long time, was my outlet. And if I didn't do poetry, like if I didn't write down lyrics and use that outlet, I'll be honest, I probably would have killed myself straight up. Like that saved me along with my grandma who who went through a lot of crap herself and was very neutral in the yeah. household and very supportive. Those two things without poetry, without my grandma, probably, yeah, it probably would have been game over Red Rover for me. Yeah. And so you traveled to New Zealand. Why New Zealand? My partner's in the other room, but it, it was for a girl. So, you know, <laughs> okay. being a typical young male, flying over to a different country for a girl mm -hmm. that you just met online, I was like, eh, I have nothing to lose. Like, what's the worst case that can happen? I fly back to Canada. And so, but in New Zealand, problem was, I didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends. And so worked on a couple of businesses there. And I was like, nah, it's just not me. And that's why coming over to the Sunshine Coast, I didn't know anybody. And that mm. was the funny thing is I didn't know anybody. Like I worked on long line fishing boats. I lied to get the job, but I had that experience and not having any friends to now considering a lot of the mates that I've made are like family to me. So 
it was a real 360, I guess. Yeah, thinking about the bullying that you experienced at school and then going to New Zealand and then coming to Australia as well, how did you go trying to make mates? Was that a bit of a process to try to find a bit of a support network around you? Well, not knowing anybody in New Zealand, I went there for the girl and that was my focus. And I worked on three different businesses for day and night. I became a workaholic. So my focus wasn't friends. My focus was partner, business, that's it. And so when we broke up, I was actually really alone. Like I met my flatmate who wasn't the type of person I would connect with, but I attached to, and it was a lonely experience of like, fuck, this sucks. Mm. I don't have friends. Okay. And then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then by that time you're like, fuck it. I'm just sleeping for the whole day. I ain't doing anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just going to grab a bottle, whatever that case may be and escape. I guess for me, I didn't see it coming. I was working at a childcare center and I was wearing a monkey costume. And when she dumped me, I was at the lowest part of my life. And I was like, my life is over. And I looked at people jumping off the Auckland Harbor Bridge. And I was like, what is the thing that I can do that's so extreme that will just snap the shit out of me and get me just change it? I was like, fuck it. I'm jumping off the Auckland Harbor Bridge, bungee jumping. And that's what I did. I left work. I was like, hey, I'm not feeling good. Went to Auckland Harbor Bridge. Boom. And I know that sounds silly, but it's something like that. I was like, fuck, that feels good. And then I just started to train. And then I just started to focus on myself and be the best version. And then Sunny Coast was hard because, you know, I spent a lot of money for a place that, that existed, but the person didn't exist. So I got scammed. I think it was like almost nine and a half grand thinking I have this nice cruisy vacation, chill, do nothing. And I'm set. So I go to a hotel, go, all right, it's my birthday. I'll have one night where I just chill and then wake up and go, all right, I have no friends here. And boom, started talking. And that's where it slowly generated to one person, to another, to another. And then met a surfing crowd of guys. Some of those guys I still talk to now and they're really good, decent blokes. And then I worked on the rigs and then I met another couple of lifelong mates there, went to the Gold Coast, met more mates. And I think when you start being open. I guess that's the Hmm. the thing I did is don't stop and be open. Be open to what's coming in your door and what's coming into your energy, your environment. And that's what helped me get through. I I love that notion of being open because a lot of guys feel lonely. You know, I'm not from the Sunshine Coast. I'm from South Australia and my wife's from Tassie and we just happen to be living here and we can move around so much. And even the guys that do fly and fly out with the mines and feel a little bit disconnected and a bit hesitant to try and break into the in crowds that are around. And that's why I was interested to see how you did that. And so you being open to possibilities and putting yourself out there is a great way to show other guys that they can do it too. Well, I worked on the rigs and I'm not dissing anybody on the rigs, but for me, I had some goals and I found a lot of the crews that I was matched up with. It was drinking booze, strippers, cheating on your misses, and that was rinse and repeat. And I can't do that. Like, I want more. And I guess for me, having that outlet of guys that I surfed with, really, that gave me a good anchor point, even though we we partied a lot, like, I came from Canada, I didn't party much, New Zealand didn't party much, and then now on a sunny coast and it's every second day we're like going out, but that gave me a little bit of a, a community or your tribe, mm. I guess you could say, but I had to be open and I had to talk to people. And I just started talking to people like, hey, how are you doing? What are you up to? 
And then I worked for CFM as well, doing hosting and stuff like that. So like I said, it, it's just talking. Mm. And one part is talking. The other part is just like, even if you have to be in another character, if that makes sense of like, I'm this confident, outgoing guy, even though maybe sometimes you feel like you're not, even if you try for a little bit, you sometimes, it's like you trick your brain a little bit and then you, you run with it and then you keep going. Yeah, I love that. I'm interested, you said you trialed a few different things to get better. I'm keen to explore some of them particularly because a lot of guys will go, oh, I'm not sure about that one. But let's start with surf culture and surfing because, you know, on the sunny coast, we have a great surf here. You said you lived on a Goldie. There's great surf there. Talk about the importance of surfing and how that might have helped your well-being. Some people, they go out, like I have good friends, they just surf with others and that's what makes them happy. For me, it was nature and for me it was just connecting with the water seeing the sun come up and that's just my moment of just anchoring my meditation if you like to call it and i crave it even now to this day like i crave going out just for a wave waking up and be like yeah that's a good way to start and i guess for me the way i would say it is it's anything to do with nature even going for a walk even seeing some trees or go to a lake or go to a pond just go out in nature. And there's actually a book, it's called Force Bathing. And in Japan, they've done a lot of research and a lot of studies on it. And force bathing has been proven to help your mental health. I think it's like one hour a week and you reduce your depression and anxiety. And that's all it is, is going in nature, looking at the sights and sounds and being in the moment. What about Reiki? So I've heard of Reiki and I've never done Reiki myself. Can you describe for us what that is and how it helped? I learned about Reiki through doing Qigong. So Qigong is an ancient practice with the movement of energy in your body, depending on what you believe and why you believe it. If you look at the very microns of your body, everything is going like this and it's energy. So based upon that, it's moving your energy, creating fluidity, if that makes sense. So Reiki yeah. just helps unplug or unstick some areas in your body that you may go, well, why am I stiff? Or why am I feeling like that? And actually what's interesting that I learned is your body holds a lot of trauma. You hold it. And so Reiki is one of those tools that helps it flow through your body and sort of helps you dissipate it and manage it a lot better. That's what I found yeah. for myself. And did you find it really beneficial for you? I found it was okay. Like it wasn't like, wow, but I found I was a lot more calmer. I found that Maybe I was overthinking a situation and then passing that through and my Reiki practitioner. And I was like a lot more present mm -hmm. moment that helped. But I think for myself, I connected more with Qigong and I find like in the morning, 10, 20 minutes a day. And I just feel like a sense of calm, a good anchoring in my day. Yeah. And you said before you went and saw a psychologist. Um, yes, talk us through that process. Like, did you take a while to find the right one? Or For me personally, I saw two psychologists and then I looked at some counselors and, and for me, it wasn't my path. I guess I could say like they were right away medication. It wasn't even a consideration. It wasn't even like a, a chat. It was like, oh yeah, you got this. You need medication. I was like, aren't we going to go look deeper into my trauma? No, you need medication. And I like to look at everything before I make a decision. And I guess for me, I listen to my intuition and which I recommend anybody else to do. So if you're feeling one way or another, just listen to your gut and go with it. But for me, I'm like, nah, I need to do other stuff. So I did the whole NLP. I did the whole 
breath work. I did, you know, CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy, tapping, and it does help trauma massively. What's the tapping? I also heard of that as well. With my birth father, that was mainly for that event alone. I felt a lot of abandonment and I felt like I didn't have a dad personally. And having that lack of male figure in my life, I felt like I tried to gravitate onto either my ex-girlfriend's dads to be like, hey, mm-hmm. you're, you're like my dad or like even more my uncle, but which I'm very grateful for and having. But for me, the tapping was a, another way of like putting myself in that state of being that young kid and talking to my birth father and saying, it's okay. I found for me, it was more the acceptance of being like, I get it. You're 18. You were scared. What have I done the same thing? I don't know. And so it became a forgiveness and I forgave him and I understood why he did what he did. I love how you've tried so many different things and you're discovering which ones work for you. I love to highlight this because it shows us that there isn't just going to a psychologist getting meds and that's it. Yeah. There's different things. Reiki. I've done a bit of breath work as well. And I found that initially I was too hesitant and I was keeping myself from really letting go. But then the next time I did it, I let go. I got a great relief. And even just surfing, like it highlights to guys that there's so many different options for you. It doesn't have to be traditional talk therapy as well. The one thing being in Canada, we've legalized marijuana. And now some people are like, oh, good job. I smoked some pot when we legalized and I felt like a dark cloud over me. Some Mm. people, it works. Awesome. Knock on wood. I'm grateful for it. But for me, I started smoking. I'm like, why am I doing this? It's because other people are, you know what I mean? And I start to realize, accept myself as I am. I have a lot of thoughts. Appreciate those thoughts. Use those thoughts to help other people. And that's where the whole startup really propelled. I was like, boom, what do I need to do? And boom, boom, boom. And now it's traction. And now we'll be going live for users, for people helping people with depression and anxiety in less than a month. So I think, I think don't always go with what the trend is. Go with what works for you and your body. Like I talked to another lady, she was depressed for months. And then she did a fitness comp, just a fitness comp. And her whole mindset shifted. And now she's like empowering other women with, you know, fitness and mental health. So I was like, something's work for you, which may not work for me, but may work for somebody else or a combination of therefore after. Yeah. Now you mentioned your startup there. So it's MB Mental Health. And also before that, though, I was keen to see your history of businesses and the businesses that didn't quite work out. Talk us through that mindset. Cause like I've just started a business myself and I know a lot of guys are interested in business. And now I help other people do the same. So I, like, I help startups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing people don't understand is like, I've talked to startups like, I want to be a millionaire. I just want to be a billionaire. And I was <laughs> like, okay, first thing you need a solid why. Why are you doing this? So example for me is I want to help a billion people with mental health challenges so I can create a legacy. So when I'm gone, I know that I've helped them and they're helping their families becoming the best versions of themselves and creating a domino effect of a positive change for mental health. Once you establish a strong enough why, whatever challenge comes in front of you, you're able to go through it. If your why is only $1,000 or a million dollars, there's going to be many times where you'll be tested and you'll go, nah, nah, I, I give up. And that's the difference between starting a business and just having a passion project. When you have a business, you need a strong enough why to get you through the good times 
and get you through the man there's times where i'm just like why the fudge am i doing this right now <laughs> and then i look back at it and i'm like yeah that's why and i keep going so for anybody that has a startup or a business i think the first thing you need to do is really understand why you're doing it and number two look at grants why waste your own money when there's a whole bunch of government funding in different areas of the country or, or investors have different accelerator programs? Like I have over $150,000 in grants because I didn't accept no as an answer. I went through 12 organizations mm -hmm. that said, no, 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 you're too early. You're too early. You're too early. No, no, no. We're going to take like 60%. And I was like, no, I have nothing. So no. And they gave me a shot. But when you have a shot, you maximize it as much as you can. Let m and you got one shot, one opportunity. And that is what is giving me that steamroll effect with helping other people, but as well getting more money. And now I may be eligible to get another 300,000 and another 200,000 and more staff. So like I said, it starts with one opportunity, but mm -hmm. being open to the resources and having a strong enough why. That's what I would say. So thinking about the ones that didn't work for you, what's one of the things that stick out to you that's made MB Mental Health work so well? Why some of those failed is because I don't think I plan properly. People that want the quick result, I think you need to understand it's a marathon, mm. not a sprint. People are like, oh yeah, I'm making 10 grand a month. You mean Instagram or Facebook. I see it all the time or YouTube, 20 grand or hundred grand a month. Do this, do this, do this. I know friends that make a hundred grand plus a month. I do. I know a, a good friend who's a photographer who does well over 300 plus K a year. Amazing person. People are like, you have the best life. But what people don't know is he's went through so many failures, so many staff. He's lost so many businesses. He's been in it for over 12 years. You know what I mean? Like it's people don't see the grind until like example, Joe Rogan. We think he's an amazing podcaster. Joe Rogan started podcasting when YouTube was first coming out. That's right. And it's I loved how you said it like it's the grind. And it's the same with your mental health. So you're yeah. in a unique position where you've got the mental health journey, but also the business journey. So you're marrying them together, which is fantastic. And I love it. And it's all those failures that you said, the stumbles, the fall downs, and then the pick you up moments as well that you go, okay, I've got this. I can do this. But the one thing I will say, though, is men, you want to do it all by yourself and think that, you know, hurrah, I will charge through it. The one thing that has helped me the most and that's the most undervalued is community, your partner, your friends, your family. Like, even if it's not your friends or family or your partner, find your community because they're going to be there, like have friends and family that are there for you thick and thin because it's going to help. And if you don't have those people, look, trust me, there's so many groups out there, like your podcast. And imagine there's so many other like-minded groups out there that are in the same boat as you. So that does help massively is when you go through hard times, you have people that you can share that crap with and, and the good times as well. Yeah. You know, and what comes out to me as you're saying that was not being afraid to ask for help both yeah. from a business perspective, but also a mental health perspective as well. Very important. It's hard being a male, sorry, mm. but it is still, and I still think the stigma is there that men should just shut up and not say a single thing. And, you know, I've gone through an acquaintance that I knew passed away 
killed himself. I had no clue that Mm. what he was going through. I didn't see any signs. And it just sort of reiterates to me is like, talk to somebody, talk to anybody. Like, seriously, like, that's all I can say to you. If you're don't have anybody in your life, talk to somebody, Facebook, discord, WhatsApp, telegram, crisis line. If you have to talk to somebody, because seriously, it's not worth thinking that, well, no one loves me and no one cares about me. I had my mom tell me that I was the reason why she wanted to kill herself. And Mm -hmm. I believed it. And I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I felt the world was on my shoulders every time that she did it. And that feeling of not being able to open up yourself and be vulnerable is what is a massive crutch and really hurts you in the long term. Yeah. And it's discussions like this that helps normalize that discussion as well. Like, you know, we grew up in a very similar period of time before social media, before phones and all this type of stuff. And, and mental health discussions weren't a thing. Like it was a man up, suck it up, you know, carry on. You got to get over it. But I think the good thing about podcasts and people like you who are sharing your stories, we can show the world, A, that we're, we're not alone, that there's other people across the planet. You know, we've spent time in the very similar part of the world, but now we're stretched out across the world, but we share a similar story as well around mental health and, and being men and trying to navigate it before we start opening up and talking about it as well. And, and through these medium, we can show other guys, it's okay, you can talk. You're not less than a man to talk about mental health. But let's talk about MB mental health. The main principle is we help direct you and then we help empower you with your mental health journey. We understand that mental health is something that you need to make a choice for. However, you need a little bit of assistance and a little bit of direction on where do I go? Why do I go with them? And so we sort of created another telehealth-based platform. However, We're working right now as we speak on future developments in, let's just say, the gaming space. So we're really excited to see what we're going to come up with and put together. Currently, right now, it's connecting people. Example, you have a problem, a mental health challenge. You sign up, and it directs you to go, hey, based upon the results, Johnny, a lot of people have chose hypnotherapy. And you choose the mental health practitioner based upon that decision. So, so that's really cool. And then on top of that platform, we have a couple groups as well on Facebook. So one is depression, which deals with people talking what they're going through day in, day out quotes, but to people's stories. And then we have the MB mental health and gaming, which is bringing in practitioners from our platform and having chats and answering Mm. questions of what people want to know about rather than what we think they want to know about. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Can you share anything about the gaming stuff? What we've noticed that mental health is increasing. A lot of people are gaming, which is Mm. not a bad thing either. What we're noticing is that how can we support people better with mental health tools? You know, right now there's mental health games, which is fine, but we're sort of just being a little bit more creative in what we do and how we do it. And I think the way that we place it and the way that we're going to help people with it is going to be a little bit of a game changer in that matter there. Cool. That's really exciting. I'm really keen to see how it progresses and and promote it through my networks as well. But I guess thinking back on your journey um, and what you've been through and what you've overcome, I'm interested to know how you would define mental health, but from a men's perspective. I think mental health, the way I understood it before was suck it up and shut up. That's the way I understood it before. You have a problem, shut up. It's not physical. 
who gives a shit? I was working on the rigs. I was working um, landscaping. I did sales like, and all those other things. And that was the mentality of it. Now I understand mental health for me. It's more about be vulnerable, be understanding of your thoughts and your feelings and start asking questions and talking to people. So awareness, asking questions and talking, just simply talking to somebody and exploring different ideas that feel good for you. I love it, Chris. And I love that explore what feels good for you. Comes back yeah. to those different modalities that you tried as well to try and work out what's the best fit for you. It's really great advice. Now, if anyone's been inspired by your journey and your discussion, where can they find you? Have you got like social media or the website? Yeah, the main one that we have, we have almost 20,000 uh, users in our group, which is awesome. People are really enjoying what we're doing is depression free and that's on Facebook. So imagine I'll send you some links over yep. and then you can post that if you want. Yep. And then we have the MB mental health and gaming. And then of course we're adding in discord because people have asked. So in that discord, we're going to probably have like gaming nights, like mental health gaming nights. And then we're going to have resources. So it's going to be a whole combination of what we're doing on Facebook, but over on discord. Yeah. I love it. And I'll, yeah, I'll put the links in the show notes. So if anyone wants awesome. to check them out, they can. The last question I've got for you is to plug something that makes you feel good. And it doesn't have to be mental health related. It could be what you're watching on telly, what you're listening to, a book you've read, a self-care activity that you're really enjoying at the moment, just to kind of pay it forward for our audience. What's been helping me, what's been putting a smile on my face is my morning routine. Like I really enjoy, I'll tell you right now, my morning routine is 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of affirmations, 10 minutes of Qigong. And I found having something for me, just for me, and using that as an anchor really allows me to deal with whatever bullshit I come up with in the day and allows me to go, yeah, sweet, reset next day, you know? And so, yeah, morning routine, definitely. Do you have a go-to affirmation? Ooh, that's a good one. The affirmations are, are goals that I have that I want to see. So for myself, I have some personal goals. I have some monetary goals. I have some family-based goals. But overall, I think the affirmation is just that keeps coming up and up is I want to help people like, like mm. you, I just want to help. It doesn't matter the number, but I want to leave this place earth in a better place than I came in. Yeah. And so that really, as well as a couple tattoos, like quotes, <laughs> if it's to be, it's up to me is one of the quotes. I love that one. That's cool. That's really cool. Chris, thanks so much for your raw honesty and your vulnerability. But yeah, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciated it. No worries. Thank you for having me on. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode and I hope you got some value from it. If anything triggered your mental health today, please reach out to your support networks. Also, if you love what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your mates. For more from Mindful Men, you can check us out on Instagram and YouTube and I'll throw the links to these pages in the show notes below. But until next time, stay mindful.